Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury free and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford. I am so excited this week to bring you an awesome guest. Today we have Kelly Samuelson, who you might also know as Kelly Sam, also the founder of the LA Sweat bike team out of Los Angeles or formerly out of Los Angeles, and honestly, one of the coolest setups in women's cycling that I've ever had the pleasure of seeing. Their team is fantastic. It's inclusive. It's f- they're fast. Um, and honestly, she's just created such a cool atmosphere. It's just been so impressive seeing how the team has grown over the last, you know, over a decade. And they were really doing unique stuff in terms of social media well before most of the other teams were even on the platforms. So I think. You know, Kelly's just been so innovative and we talk a lot about marketing and specifically with cycling, like marketing on a shoestring budget. And we also talk about, you know, what sponsorship looks like these days, what women's cycling looks like these days. Uh, You know, I could have talked to her all day about the state of women's cycling, but we wanted to keep it a little more business focused. So a lot of this is about how she wrangles a whole team and how she makes the seasons work, even though this is actually not even her full-time day job. So, I mean, when you want to talk about someone who is just putting their all in to, you know, a project like this, she's just such a good person to look to for what can happen if you just have your heart set on something. So it's just such an interesting episode, a really great look inside of what it takes to have a pro women's team in the U.S., And hopefully you learn a lot from this, whether it's about marketing, social media, women's cycling, uh, the role sponsorships can play, how to be smart about sponsorships, uh, or even just how to keep all of your shit organized. All right, without further ado, enjoy this interview with Kelly Samuelson. Okay, let's do this. Kelly, I'm so excited to get you on Business of Fitness because if there's a woman in cycling who's been like doing stuff, making moves, being ahead of the curve, I'm going to say, for a very long time. It is definitely you. So, I mean, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, And second, how did you get into cycling? What is your origin story? I realized I was going to start with asking about LA Sweat's origin story, but now I want to know yours. So I came into cycling from like a very, what 
a road cyclist would consider non-traditional. Um, I came from the fixed gear world. So like way back in the day, we're not going to say how long ago that was, but it was a very long time ago of, you know, we were a bunch of kids just riding track bikes in Seattle. And it was like the coolest thing. And really for me, it was a mode of transportation. I didn't have a car. Um, it was something fun for me, my friends to do. Um, and it just sort of stuck. And then when I moved to LA, there was this amazing fixed gear community that just like, I fell into one day, literally at a stoplight, like (laughs) ran into this other person and was like, Oh, Hey, you ride bikes, you ride track bikes too. Cool. Like we should be friends. And that's how it like really blossomed. And then, you know, I was the first woman to be like fixed gear sponsored by Chinelli. And then like, that was super cool. And that led to, you know, even before that, like our group of friends started a little team and then that led to me racing Red Hook before there was a women's race and just like really sort of developing into that. And then one day just being like, I should race road bikes too. That should be fun. I love it. I love it. And you and I actually have, I'm going to say kind of similar paths in that I wanted to be part of the fixed gear scene. When I first got into bikes, I was not quite cool enough or like in really the right place, but I would go into New York all the time and be like, you know, showing up at alley cats and stuff, but I was never, uh... so here's the best part. I've never done an alley cat. <laughs> that that like, does make you a I very wasn't rare... a messenger, right? So I wasn't a messenger. I wasn't like that excited about them personally. Like I liked watching them and I thought it was cool. My friends were doing it, but it wasn't like, I want to do that, you know? So yeah, I've never raised an alley cat and I'm not really ashamed about that either. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the gear ratio on your first fixed gear bike? Oh, it definitely changed. I was super, super, super fortunate and privileged and lucky to be in a space with people around me that were working in the industry. And I was actually like gifted chain rings and cogs of different sizes. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool, you know? Um, but probably around the city, it was like, 4817, which I think is like the classic. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think I had like a 5216 or something. It was like a horrible gear. It was ridiculous. But I remember, I know, I know. But I once met a guy who had like a fixed gear tattoo on his arm. And Mm -hmm. I remember I went up to him and I was like, Hey, what's, what's your gear ratio? And he's like, Oh, this is 5216. I was like, Oh my God, we have matching gear ratios. We dated for like a hot minute. (laughs) For sure. I mean, what else do you need in common? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. So we go from this like fixed gear racing and I mean, some of still some of like the best known races in the US. I mean, I would say Red Hook Crits are still like the top, like some of the top races that people recognize if you're talking about bike racing in the US. For sure. And even all over the world. I mean, I was so... I feel like kind of forever indebted to the fixed gear world in terms of just my life taking a turn that I never thought it would. I've been able to travel literally all over the world. So like Mm -hmm. Indonesia, Spain, Italy, France, UK, Ireland, like none of that would have happened in my life if it weren't for bikes and specifically the fixed gear community. Yeah. Yeah. Now you did mention that some of this was prior to there being a women's race in, in some of these races. So I'd love for you to talk about like, that seems like it actually like almost gave you some opportunities still is like problematic, but uh, you know, I think I always come from it as like, when I started writing about cycling, there were very few women writers and that actually like has given me an edge through my career. I feel like there is something positive about being the first and it helps you get something like LA sweat started even. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely helped that I was able to garner sponsorship for myself. And then as I grew in my career, those partners wanted to grow with me. Like Mm -hmm. it definitely happened very organically. I would say on a scale of like starting a team on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being the easiest, like I definitely was in that seven, eight range, right? Like I had brands and people that wanted to be along for the ride for what Mm -hmm. I envisioned. Um, so that 
that is also like, not everyone has that. And I recognize that, you know, like it's still the hardest job in the world, but like just being able to turn to a brand that has, you know, supported you as an individual, all it costs them is like one bike or one helmet, you know? And you're like, Mm -hmm. I have 12 and for them to say yes. And like, really step into that and be along for the ride. It was, I feel very lucky to have had that. Mm -hmm. But I think part of that is because you have a great crew that you've created. You have a great message. You have a really cool approach to cycling. So this leads us into how did LA Sweat get started? So I had started with a group of friends, um, a small local team in Southern California and I was like hell bent on like progressing in my racing and which means I left my career as a hairdresser and I like fully invested into the bike world. I was like, took a whole step back, started working at a bike shop. Like I was not making money. Let's just leave it at that. Like, let's be clear about that. Let's be clear. Like (laughs) I definitely went from like a career I had had for almost a decade and like started over at a very late age. So it was probably 25, 24, 25. Like I was not, you know, 18. Yeah. You're not like a junior, Um, like trying to do, you know, stuff with USAC or, you know, yeah, I had no idea about your stuff. Even at that point, I was like, I had a USAC license, but I was like racing CBR, (laughs) you know, like I wasn't really like doing a ton. And then we started this local team because it was like four of us would show up to a race and we would be all be on like our individual teams. And we're like, why don't we just not be on a team together? So we like did that and that ended up being really successful. And I was like, I think I want to like turn this into a thing, like into an actual team. And it was in the era of, you know, specialized Lululemon and like, you know, Tibco was a team and I didn't really know like a ton about, okay, like how, where, where are all these people racing? You know, like what is going on? I had to kind of like figure it out for myself, honestly. Google was a good resource and just asking other people, Um, And in that same time, I was hired, I think the fourth employee at Zwift. They hadn't even launched their program yet. And it was very early on in my like marketing career. I was just good at social media. Instagram had just really kind of taken off and I had been doing all this stuff with, with the fixed gear world and garnered myself, you know, what I thought at the time was like a good following and, you know, translated that literally into a career. Mm -hmm. And so I got hired at Zwift. They're new. I'm like, I want to do this team. And we had just gone back from the tour of Ireland the Rosnavon, which is like a women's tour only, which is super cool. It's five days. It's an incredible experience. Like if anybody has the opportunity to go to that race, you should definitely go. And I'm like sitting down with friends and I'm like, I don't know, like how many people should I have? I had reached out to our, my sponsors and they were like, yes, like we're in. And I think it was because it was in that it was perfect timing, perfect place, you know, perfect situation, everything aligned in terms of, I could have just had a team and if, if it weren't for all these other factors, it probably would have folded pretty quickly. Honestly, like it's very hard, time consuming and costs a ton of money. I mean, there's just such a, like, there's like a literal like graveyard of teams that have made it like even like a great season or like yeah. two great seasons and then just fold. And you're always like, from the outside, you're like, whoa, why would that team fold? And then behind it, you're like, oh, there was no money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even that there is no money. There's no bandwidth. Yeah. There's no people in women's racing to build a staff that will, one, believes in what you're doing 
and will probably the first year volunteer their time and two, have the time outside of their day-to-day jobs. And that's the, the, you just hit the nail on the head. There is the outside of their day-to-day jobs because almost no one in women's cycling, even the racers are doing this full-time, especially not in North America. No, definitely not. So I was like throwing out all these names and my friends at Manual for Speed were like, okay, they wanted to help launch it. So they were part of the first year and helping kind of create this very different at the time. This was end of 2014, early 2015. Traditionally cycling was you were named after the brand that gave you the most money and every spot on your Jersey was worth a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. That first year we came out with not a single sponsor on our kit. And Why? What was the logic behind that? Because at that point, now things have changed a little bit, but at that point I was, we were just sitting there and we're like, uh, the Lakers don't have, excuse my language, shit all over their kit mm-hmm. or on their jerseys. Like, yes, they're sponsored by Chase Bank or whoever it is, like, you know, making things, pulling things out of the air here, but like they're sponsored by all these brands, but they don't, they're not plastering these logos on there because they know that a small logo that's probably three by three is not going to make a financial difference in how much return on investment that brand has. And this is why you're good at marketing because you understand this. <laughs> People sponsor the Lakers, the, you know, whatever sports team, traditional sports team in the U S not because they're like, Oh, look, my, my logo's right there on that sleeve. They do it for the cool factor. They mm-hmm. do it so they can talk about that. They do it. They do it because they can use the people involved in their advertising, in their photo shoots, in their, you know, initiatives. That's why they do it. What's funny to me is it doesn't seem like a lot of brands in cycling, endemic and non-endemic, it doesn't seem like a lot of them understand this and actually leverage the teams that they do sponsor as effectively as they could. They actually just go for the three by three logo and that's that's pretty much it. They kind of consider that done. Enough. But there's so many activations that they could be doing either with the team or just using like the team that wouldn't even take any like effort on the team's part. It's just it's such a literal opportunity. free talent. <laughs> like it's literal free talent, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're a sponsor, and I know we're jumping all over the place here, but like this is very important stuff. <laughs> if you're a sponsor, you know, I won't go into like, obviously like contractual details, but in many of our contracts as a team, it is built into our contract that we are as a team, whether it's the whole team, a few riders, whoever's available are required from said brand to participate in two, maybe three photo shoots a year to contribute to blogs. I can count on one hand in nine years, how many times we've actually been asked to do those things. So funny. Like, just like what a, sorry to our sponsor, but what a waste. Use us. We want to be involved. We want to, especially my team and the brands that I work with, I work with them because I love them. Mm -hmm. And it's mutually beneficial. Right. Like photo shoots. Great for you. Blogs also great for you. Exactly. Like (laughs) I will work in photo content outside of financial contribution into a contract because I'm like, look, that's $5,000. I don't have to pay a photographer. It's free content for me. They get the content they need. Everyone feels happy about the partnership, but Mm -hmm. we're just not, we're not utilized. Yeah. And I think this is such an important conversation, not just for cycling teams or for even any sports teams. This is even like nonprofits, foundations, anything that like where you are looking for sponsorship dollars. I think this is like a really interesting thing because a lot of them, same thing, they'll just put the logo on the site or do, you know, just the logo stamped wherever, 
and that's it. But there's so many more opportunities here that are mutually beneficial. So I love that this is like something we're, we're touching on here. Yeah. It's, you know, you see it happen with some, and then there's just this oversaturation and you're like, wait a minute, that same brand, I'll look at, you know, whatever brand. And I know that they sponsor, you know, four teams, but I only ever see them highlight one team. And I'm like, what about the rest? Mm -hmm. Are they actually sponsoring them? I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the deal. You want to take control of your health of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results. No, absolutely not. Inside tracker, is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life so convenient and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete as an entrepreneur as a go-getter so definitely definitely check them out save time in your day add time to your life with inside trackers and mobile blood draw and if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty you get 20 percent off today that's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20 percent off today So we have like the first iteration of LA sweat is sort of the smaller thing. And like, let's just kind of like do a time warp to where we are now. Wayne's you know world. Doing. Exactly. Um, doodle, 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 time warp. We're now nine years in. We've ranged from four riders to 12 riders. And I've really kind of found the magic number to be eight. Um, Eight is the perfect amount. It allows for people to live their life. It allows for people to take breaks. And it also allows like if something happens and someone gets injured, like we're not scrambling for guest riders. We're not, you know, showing up to races shorthanded basically. Um, and eight is about as many as I can manage <laughs> Yeah, I having managed a team with three and then like mechanics, the spreadsheets that it requires to oh organize God, a single race. I love a spreadsheet. <laughs> I sometimes miss the logistics of doing that, but then I like if I like really miss it, I like open up the spreadsheet and I'm like, nope, you know what? I'm good. The anxiety fine. that like builds up into your stomach and your throat. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you're checking like flight numbers and like seeing delays happening or like, oh yeah. 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 It's, it's a whole lot. The okay. worst is when you see a flight and you're like, oh, that's such a great price. I'm going to get it. And then you forget. And the next day it's double. That's yep. the fun one. Yeah. And that you one just hurts. have to eat it. You can't mm -hmm. like, you're just like, well, I need this flight. So guess this is how much we're paying. Yeah. That like, I think a year into managing a team, it suddenly clicked in my head that like, I just couldn't be stressed about stuff like that. Yeah. Or it was just gonna, it was going to kill me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Had to just be like, oh, right. Okay. Money can solve this. So in this case, we're going to throw money at it and we're going to fix it and we're going to figure it out later, but we need to get this person to this place. Yes. It's never, never fun, but. <laughs> and also coming to terms with like, maybe that just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like maybe that one person just doesn't come. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow. And it definitely. That's a really tough you know, one. It's not happened often, but it's also like, I feel this like huge personal responsibility to my riders. Like even things that are 100% out of my control, I am, I just feel bad. I feel like I'm letting everyone down. I have this immense unhealthy, let's not get it twisted that I'm this, like, I care so much. It's unhealthy. 
it is not healthy for me to take responsibility for things that are out of my control. I recognize that as a logical human being, but you care so much and you just really don't want to let anybody down. Mm -hmm. Yes. And on that note, one question I did have for you was the balance of life with work. I mean, even your own Instagram has the line when the literally has the line when the line between work and play are forever blurred, which obviously I relate to very deeply here. And that's sort of what you're just now alluding to, but how do you come to terms with that and not move past it, but at least move through it exist? <laughs> I mean, that's just sort of it. You just move through it. <laughs> At the end of the day, this is a responsibility that I've taken on. It's a responsibility to not only the contracts and partners, but more importantly, these eight women who count on me to show up, be prepared, have everything ready for them have their flights booked and their opportunities that I've promised. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily as like, how do I manage, but exactly like, how do I move through this? And I don't know what I've cultivated or how I've cultivated this amazing group of women that also fully support me. Cause that, I know that that doesn't happen. I know that there are many, many teens out there that it's like, that's the boss and that's their job. While that is still the case as a group of, you know, grown adult women, we truly care about each other's well-being. Mm-hmm. So if there's, if they see me struggling, they will pick up the slack. I don't even have to ask. They will check in. They will, you know, reassure me. They're like, we know you're doing everything you can. Like, it's okay. You know, like just that tiny little ba- like balance of we're all human at the end of the day. And no one is this superhuman that can like manage everything all the time at a hundred percent by themselves. They're I- not. <laughs> I mean, we're expected as women, we're expected to do things, but like, you know, I think that's, I just am really lucky in that sense, but yes, I haven't taken a personal vacation in nine years. What is that even, (laughs) you know, and like, and I have my moments of like, wow, that would be really nice. Especially when I see my riders doing it, I'm like, (laughs) you know, but it's like, I have to take all my time away from my actual job to go to races Mm -hmm. or I'm not even, or, and I am also working full time while on the road. Mm -hmm. So that line of like, these lines are forever blurred. It's sort of because I love doing this for the team and having this team so much, it is also fun. But it's at the same time, it's not a vacation. Yeah. Taking time off to like go hang out and relax and take time for myself. I'm, you know, if I do take time off, it is for them. Mm -hmm. Now, how, like, I guess one of my questions now is like, you have this great group of women who are supporting you. How did you choose them? Like, did was there like a mental emotional like factor in addition to like their racing ability that just like clicked with you a hundred percent so we're a traveling circus you know it's pretty unlikely that i've never heard of you or interacted with you or had some sort of you know connection whether it be another rider or a previous year's rider um that is a huge factor, probably more so than your racing ability. Mm -hmm. Because if I've seen you race, I'm going to know right away, like, okay, yes, they can do the job that I would need them to do in the race. But how do you, who are you as a person? What do you believe in? What is important to you? How do you support other people in your life? Like all of those little things, are you capable of being on the road for weeks on end in small spaces, sometimes confined with other people. How do you manage your stress? How do you manage your anxiety? 
all of those things come into play. Oh yeah. Because we are in a small van, driving hours, sleeping in strangers' houses, which I never in a million years thought I'd essentially be couch hopping at 38 years old. Like, isn't that the weirdest thing about American? Like, aren't I adult enough to like have a hotel room? But like, no, it doesn't make sense to do those things because one, there's no kitchen. Two, you're all separated. It creates a separation between the riders. And three, it's really expensive. (laughs) Well, and it's funny, like I literally just this morning looked at my inbox and there's a thing from USA Cycling for like national championships that's like host housing still needed for like nationals. (laughs) We need that. (laughs) Like, yes, uh, sign me up. And I was just laughing because I'm like, it's kind of amazing to me that like this is this is still where we're at in like, you know, in USA cycling or in America. It is, cycling. And it's pretty silly. Sometimes when I think about it is like the governing body and their lack of support and the race's lack of support where it's like, please come to our event and pay us to come to our event. And you're going to be the highlight of entertainment for everyone else, but you have to pay to be there. Yep. Yep. Well, and I mean, I think, you know, like my parents live near a tour of Somerville. So like the number of cyclists we've had like sleeping in the basement. And it's not like we have a house that's really conducive to having a lot of guests. It is yep. a one and a half bath situation. Yep. Yet we've had like teams of 10, like camped out in the but house. We don't even, like, you know, for Toad, we're staying with a friend's parents and it's like, it's kind of a basement situation, like air mattresses. And I'm like, cool. Great. free it's near the race I'm in yeah it's wild when you realize you know I think this is like one of the most interesting things to me about American cycling is that it looks so professional in the photos and even like on on the race course like at the race like the vibes of professionalism and then as soon as you like open the curtain you're like oh my gosh everyone is is some wizard of oz shit like It's amazing. It's, you don't even (laughs) know, like you see people like building their bikes at the airport or packing their bike at the airport or literally riding their bike to the airport. Yep. (laughs) And it's just like anything to keep the facade and save a dollar. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very odd thing because on one hand, I'm like, I I actually understand that. And I think like, that's weirdly enough, how you kind of end up growing the sport is you have to present it as professional to be treated professionally. It It is an essential, like, you know, part of this sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Logistically, because I love a good, how you keep shit together. Uh, How are you keeping the whole team organized? What's the spreadsheets? What's the apps? What are you using? Okay. So WhatsApp. That's just our communication. I send monthly communication to the team of like, this is what we got going on. These are the next rosters. This is who hasn't done their social. This is like, you know, all of the things. And then Google Docs is my favorite platform. Each rider has their individual folder. So in that folder is like their contract, their bio, any, you know, personal images, They're also in that folder is their social media reporting. So they have a folder where each month they take screenshots of all their social posts for that month, put it in there so that I can see it in there is also their expense reports. So anything that I don't cover up front, they can submit for expense reporting. So that's in there. Um, What else? So then there's, I have like my budget spreadsheet. So there's like a master budget that shows like all of our sponsors, how much we're getting from where, what percentages we get from affiliate codes. And then uh, each event has a sheet. So, and then they're all linked together. So when I go through and I put in all of my receipts, I literally just threw my pile of receipts from Sunny King away. (laughs) When I go in, I'll take pictures of everything and then put it into the spreadsheet and it will deduct it from the budget on the first page. Like it is all very, very much in there. Um, then we have the master spreadsheet. This is the Holy grail, the Bible of LA sweat. There is everyone's personal information. 
in there is like name, phone number, address, date of birth, USAC license, UCI license, passport, passport, um, country, expiration date, uh, also emergency contact list, insurance information. Like I kind of just hold everyone's essential life. Yeah. In that spreadsheet. Um, the I next remember week, the first time I had one of those sheets, I was like, this feels like a lot of power. I don't know how I feel. About yes. Um, so then the next sheet is like all my information. So how you need to contact me. They know that already, but it's just in there. Um, then it's the gear spreadsheet. So the gear spreadsheet is your bike size, your handlebar size, your stem, your kit, long sleeve, short sleeve, skin suit, helmet, gloves, socks, race glasses, non-race glasses, tires, like anything you can think of. The next page is all the sponsor information. So all their tags, all their hashtags, all their codes that we use. So, you know, we have some sponsors where if the general public uses our code, we get a percentage back, Mm -hmm. which honestly is like such a huge impact. So if you are already buying Victoria tires, just use our code. One, you get a discount. Two, we get a kickback. So you're supporting yourself and the team as well. Okay, what's the um, code? I think they're all uh, LA Sweat, there but I will go. double check and let you know. All right, we'll, we'll include that link in the show notes. For like every brand <laughs> that uses a code because then we can just use one. Very um, smart. Some of them will put like the year, but I think they're all LA Sweat. Um. And then there's the race schedule page. So that has the roster, the, the, across the top is the event. And then they can go in and put in like, these are the races that I want to do. And then I'll go in depending on schedules and, you know, injury or whatever, pick the roster, put it in there, lock it in. It's also color coded by ACC races important races to the team, uh, optional races and like all the things. I love that all of this is like, Oh, and by the way, like, this is like my side project. This isn't even my my full-time job. Yeah. Not my full-time job. Um, that's horrific by the way. I mean, story of my life too, but still horrific. Yes. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned social media actually. And I did want to like, kind of click on that because I think how, like, since, I mean, since you started nine years ago, how has like social media impacted the team? Because I think it's a huge part of like being on a cycling team. Now I know a lot of, I mean, we were one of the first teams to be using and utilizing social media as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say one of like, we were the first crit team to be utilizing social media as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. Funny photo shoots didn't take ourselves seriously. There was none of this this is my personal opinion. So take it with a grain of salt, but there was none of this like smoke and lights and, you know, I'm so hard and like everything needs to be, you know, full face of makeup. Like we were ourselves, Mm -hmm. but it's still such a cool vibe, which is maybe because you were yourselves. We were ourselves. Like, I don't think that like when we did our, like our portraits this year, like just wait one, <laughs> two, like, I don't think any of us like put on makeup, like really, you know, like it was also just like very quick and like, we don't, there's an importance to it, but we're not going to spend all day doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I would much rather photos be candid and of what we're actually doing and not this like posed persona of what people think we should do. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So. No, I think that's, that's such an important part of your team. And I mean, this also leads into the other question I was going to ask you about, which is like the design and like vibe element of LA Sweat. You've done such a good job over the years. You know, I've like looked back at past designs you know, the, the thought that goes into your kit design, the colors that are unlike any of the other ones in the Peloton any year, any uh, year, yeah, any it's year. Funny. And the merch is also just like, like chef's kiss. So good. 
how how is like what is the importance of the design you know stuff for la sweat and i mean how the hell are you like finding the time and like figuring out these vibes while there's so much other <laughs> logistical crap um, that you could i love about. fashion love fashion so i'm already looking at things like all the time right so i'm already you know following all these like obscure brands or you know not the mainstream brand and looking at their stuff and i love art and i think that there is this like such a cool i've always thought that there's this really cool opportunity because kit is custom Mm-hmm. Why are we, there is no excuse to make ugly kit. None. I feel like that's my pull quote here. <laughs> yeah, there's no excuse to make ugly kit. You can do whatever you want. It's custom. You can make it whatever you want. And maybe you think your kid is cool. I applaud you. You do you. But like, why? I don't want to be boring. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have a shaved head and tattoos all over my body if I like wanted to fit in. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, no, it's, but how do you, how do you decide? I'm just like, what's the process for every year's kit? Like it is a feeling. So we have a a mood board. Do we have like color samples? What's the full on? It is not that. (laughs) It is screenshots sent to my group chat of like my three best guy friends. And I'm like, kidspiration, kidspiration, kidspiration. And we'll take things from different parts. Um, And since last year, my friend Willie, who is a graphic designer by trade, he's like, he takes, he has the ability to like take the things out of my brain and like put them onto paper I guess very helpful friend to have yeah like I don't have the time or bandwidth to learn in design and those things an illustrator so I just sit down our dogs are best friends we just like hang out and then I'm like no that needs to go here like in my brain I can see it um and it really is like I'll see one thing and I'll kind of get like totally fixated on it. And I'm like, okay, that's the kid. Mm -hmm. And then how does it, how does it correlate to, you know, a personal connection or like, what does it mean to the team to have it be like this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is actually where I really struggle because like my, my aesthetic is just very much like black and white and that's it. Oh, that's not mine. And it kills me because like all of my stuff, like Strong Girl Publishing and like the Shred Girl series, like they have to be like bright and vibrant because it is like a younger audience and like black and white would be very weird for it. So it is just this constant like push pull of like my personal like aesthetic versus what's actually going to be good for the brand. So, so <laughs> like- this is my like, because personally, I usually wear like black, white, gray, denim not a ton of color, definitely not patterns. And so I get to live out those things that I want to wear personally through my kit. Mm. I like it. I like it. And for the record, anyone listening to definitely check out la-sweat.com for the merch because there's so much good stuff on there. Like the sweatshirts are so cute. Um, Yeah. I'm there's a few things that I'm kind of like waiting to put on and we're actually doing some really amazing things with uh SRAM nation. So it's like their merch site. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm really, okay. so stuff coming. I like it. Stuff I like is it. coming. Yeah. Stuff is coming. And okay. Balancing the community initiatives that you're doing with all of the racing, because I mean, you know, we're talking about the merch now there's like, you know, SRAM collab, uh, you and I recently talked about the Easton Twilight Crit and y'all are racing that, but you're also doing a ride the day before, Q&A after the ride. That's a lot of physical and emotional energy. So how do you how do you kind of find that balance of like, we can do this because it's important, but we're not going to like exhaust our racers? Well, it's only six times for the year. So we- <laughs> Only. Only, but like we really do pick key- events that I know that we have support from the race 
we have support from the community and at the core of who we are as a team, this is something as a team, as a whole, it's not me going, you have to do this. Everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to be connected and helping to build the sport. Whether it's, whether a woman decides to race or not, but literally just to get more women on bikes. Yeah. And that includes all women. Yes. And on that note, we have to address this very large question, you know, and, you know, this is obviously we're talking about this kind of in like the, the business structure, but we can get into the, what it means to you as well. I think this is just an important business topic to start with here is like dealing with the political side of, you know, there is this huge stuff around trans women racing and, you know, there's just so much controversy right now. And that has to be for your team, just such an emotional and mental energy suck. How are you, how are you focusing on the racing and protecting the, the racers on the team? Because that just must be, I can't even imagine being in your shoes, dealing with some of this stuff. Yeah. It's sad. It is. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking to see the just incredible inhumaneness of people. Um, I protect them as best as I possibly can. And as a team, they protect each other. Um, Safety is number one. As soon as anything is brought to my attention, I have no problem losing the thousands of dollars to go to an event. If it means that any of my riders are going to be unsafe, we just won't go. Mm -hmm. We'll find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody feels like they're missing out. Nobody feels like they're missing an opportunity because I don't know a single human being, no matter where you come from that wants to go to a place where they aren't welcomed. No one is actively saying, I know I'm not welcomed here, but let me just do it. And just because, and I don't mean like, oh, they're not the friendliest. I mean, actual hate towards you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what gets missed so often in a lot of this discourse is like, I think, Politically, no matter which side of the spectrum you're on, like there's just absolutely is like no place for this level of just cruelty. And you said inhumane is like the exact word. It's, it's inhumane. Like, like you are a human. These are people. Yeah. <laughs> like there are not only on, you know, the, you know, the trans side of things, but also the race side of things. And the diversity of our team is like all of those things I have to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I am researching the towns that these races are in. I am making sure that none of my riders ever go anywhere alone ever. Yeah. Women in their twenties and thirties, they can't go to the store alone. No, you can't not only on that, but also just being women. The amount 100%. of sexual harassment and just stripped of your humanity because somebody else believes something different. Yeah. No, or is I... so uneducated and refuses to educate themselves that they just think that you are less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I... It was interesting. We spent uh, the winter just kind of going down, like the down the coast, like from New Jersey. We just went south for good weather, and I hadn't even thought about it until suddenly we were like further south, and I was suddenly like, "Oh, I'm actually really uncomfortable being out alone on a run right now," or like, "Oh, I actually have no rights in this state. Um, this is weird," <laughs> or you know, just like googling the towns we're in to like check like what's the vibe right here like what should I know going out yeah like by myself with a lot of tattoos and like you know just being in public and like should I make sure I have my dog with me at all times it's 
just wild what women have to do when we're especially when we're traveling to places we haven't been versus what men have to do. And this is like a whole other aspect of the team that I hadn't even thought about until we're talking about it now, but (laughs) oh my gosh. What about host housing? Oh my God. Yeah. How do you know that your host house is safe for all of your riders? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no like survey. how do you have that conversation with somebody? Yeah. (laughs) How do you call up a stranger and say, are you racist? Yeah. Are you transphobic? Are you going to send you a survey? Um, (laughs) Fill out this Google form. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's terrifying, honestly. Like it is incredibly scary. Sometimes we have been incredibly lucky and I use the word lucky intentionally because I do think luck runs out and I'm not in this state of mind where it's like, we're always going to have these great experiences. We won't. And, you know, you just have to be prepared to pivot and spend the money mm-hmm. that, I mean, you have to throw money at it, right. Cause you have to get a hotel or you have to move or you have to do whatever it is. Yeah. And it sucks. Yep. <laughs> Big time to have to do all of that, but. And I think it's smart to be thinking about that. Like it's great yeah, to assume the best, but like being prepared yeah. for the worst, I think is very, very important. And from the team aspect, you know, especially uh, on the trans subject is not only is, does Tiffany get an immense amount of hate and threats and whatever else you want to throw at a person, but the other writers as well, because they support her and supports her and we get emails and we get these hate messages and whatnot. And, you know, I just am the uh, virtual punching bag. Give it to me. I'll take it. Send it my way. Send it to me. Send it to, you know, like block, ignore, delete, block, ignore, delete, like just send it my way. I'll deal with it. And how do you decide like in situations, you know, where there are headlines that are coming out, how do you decide like when you're going to sort of make a statement or speak up about it versus just like, no, I'm not even going to address this because this is just bullshit. We never address the 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 vitriol. Like, that's what they want. 100%. We address it by showing our support, showing up, and just living. You know, like, it doesn't deter me or make me, like, think, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. No, we're just going to... We're going to keep moving forward. Like Mm -hmm. you want us to entertain this idea that you're right in some way. And we just won't. Yeah. I I always think about like my mom, like with my brother, like if you just ignore him, he'll stop picking on you. He wants the attention, you know? And that's the thing is um, so many of these people, they want the reaction out of you. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reaction that they get from me is me reporting them to their work, me reporting them to safe sport, me going through the proper channels of harassment. Mm -hmm. And if people have an issue with that, like, I don't really care. You don't get to just harass people from the comfort of your home and think that you've done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so sort of as we sort of wrap this here this does you know we just kind of alluded to the future of the sport here what do you see for the future of like women's cycling in the U.S. are we at a growth period are we are we stalled where where do you think we are I think we're we're at a like we're I don't think we're stalled fully I think we're in this growth period of if we don't come together as a whole in the next year or two, we will see a decline. If every team is fighting each other, whether it be for sponsorship dollars or for coverage or whatever, if every team is like trying to get this piece of the pie, the biggest piece of pie, we are not going to be successful as a support, as a sport. 100%. Yeah, we have these different together. race series. We got, like you say, the sponsors, the teams are sort of in this weird place. And 
honestly, even the the trans like debate, I think, is like overshadowing women's cycling. So all of the people who are like shouting about it and like complaining about it, like, no, man, just talk about women's cycling. <laughs> that, but also I will say it is not going unnoticed by myself and my riders at how silent the women's Peloton is. Mm. It does not go unnoticed. It's funny. I was actually going to ask you about that. And then I, I kind of shifted into the, the future here, but I was wondering what the, the general vibe was. Cause I, I don't see a lot. It's sort of exactly the vibe. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like, nobody cares. You talk to people one-on-one, they're like, I don't care. She's totally welcome. Mm-hmm. But nobody is saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like almost fear on that, that would have. Yeah. On this sport, not only for trans women, but just women in general. Yeah. Would be huge. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're hosting all these community events and Q and A's. I don't see another women's team posting about our women's Q and A's posting about our rides reaching out saying, Hey, can we partner with you? Hey, can we do this with you? Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That's fine for me. We're going to keep doing us. We're going to keep, you know, whether it's five people that show up or a hundred people that show up, we're still going to show up. We're still going to be there because it's not about the, what the world thinks about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like we're just going to do it because we believe that it's the right thing to do. And it is. (laughs) And it is. (laughs) is. If it weren't for women's initiatives, like when I started racing, like I probably wouldn't have a team. Mm -hmm. No. And I mean, I think like looking back at my younger self, the women's initiatives, like oh my gosh, I wish they'd been around, right? Like my first years of racing were all just like the, being the one woman on boys teams. And that's why I didn't get into it till I was in my twenties and, you know, all like co-ed teams, but I was always the only girl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although I will say like, I do owe a lot to the, uh, yeah, the co-ed team where I was the only girl, because if it hadn't been for that, I never would have raced cyclocross. They only needed it because the, um, Eastern Collegiate Cycling Conference in college had decided to do equal points in actually a really smart way of like getting more women racing cross. It was like every race was worth 50 points for men, 50 points for women, regardless of how many like you had. So you would lose all of your women's points if you didn't have a woman. So they were like, well, here you go. You're going to race cyclocross. And I was like, I guess I'm going to race cyclocross. I wouldn't be here today if it hadn't been for that. You know, like there's something to honor about those experiences but understand that they also had faults in them oh so many faults so many faults <laughs> we don't have time for that or or bandwidth for that um but i think there there is value to to both for sure like i love the women's only stuff now and i think that's so vital and so important but i also like i'm always just so scared of like where we compartmentalize it so women's cycling's over here and men's cycling's over here and we completely lose the like so to that point, that's why I love our community events. Our community rides are for everyone. Yep. They are open to the entirety of the community. No, it doesn't matter your skill level, gender, gender identity, any any of the things, you know, like just show up, let's ride bikes. And love then it. after the fact is we create this safe space for women to ask more personal questions, things that they might not be comfortable asking their men in their community and it's important for us not to be like it's men versus women exactly it's just a it's just a uh an add-on exactly yeah in addition to having this community ride we're also creating this space for women yeah and both of those things are so important and so fun and so cool Yes. most fun I've ever had is doing like my women's nights where I talk about my, my book saddle sore, where it's like all about the lady part stuff and the oh, bike. Yeah. I mean, so fun. Try asking a guy that you like, or person that you've just met in a group ride about saddle sores. Like, yeah, what? exactly. Like, 
hey no am i supposed to, to be that. numb like what's going on here like yeah they're just gonna like suddenly like oh geez flat tire i gotta <laughs> <laughs> they're so true. i feel like there's like so many so many things we could talk about about like women cyclists and cycling and then bike racing and there's like so many topics but you know we don't have a week to do that. <laughs> we don't have a week. Um, in fact, I've taken up so much of your time already. So before we go, tell everyone where they can find you and LA Sweat and follow along with all of the awesome stuff that you're doing. Yeah. So LA Sweat is on Instagram, LA underscore sweat. And then the community initiative, which is this really, really cool thing. Um, I do want to talk about it. Yes. Our junior program that we've had for the last couple of years and our community initiatives We've really kind of merged the two together and we got a lot of requests for women that weren't juniors, but they were new to racing that wanted to be on our development program. They were like, but I'm not a junior. So we really had to, I had to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, how can we serve these people in a bigger way? So we have started LA Sweat Next Gen which is an all-encompassing development program that is currently taking applications. I don't know when this is going to air, but it is currently taking applications um, until the end of May. And then we will choose um, three to four women to have direct mentorship with the pro team. So, and that includes, um, you know, kit support and things like that. And also at race support, if the ambassador, mentee, however you want to like development rider is at the same event we are at. We will go early to their races, do pre and post race mentorship. Also, if you're not at a race, we do that virtually. Um, Alongside that is the LX Sweat Next Gen Community Initiative. So it's six events throughout the year. So Easton, Tulsa, Boise, Intelligentsia, Littleton, and Gateway. We will host a community ride that's open to all. And then after the fact, we'll do a Q&A for women only. And that's really just like an open round table. Like there is no, like, this is what we're going to talk about. It is who has questions. What do you want to know? What experiences have you had? And it's really just women sharing stories with each other. And it's been super successful in the past. And some women have either started racing and are now actually going to be guest riding for us this year or um, gone on to do, you know, 300 mile gravel events. Like it's, it's really cool. It's really great way to meet the team one-on-one, create friendships, create community. You might meet somebody that you didn't know in your own community that you could then start riding bikes with and like create this space within itself kind of. Um, so it's sort of a two part, they don't go hand in hand. You don't have to do both. Um, the mentee, uh, mentorship program is its own thing. And then the community events are their own thing. Nice. I love that. And the coming to the community events, like I always found whenever I've done like the Q and a type nights, the best part is honestly the fact that like the women who are there get to meet each other. Like, yeah, it's so incredible because suddenly they realize like, oh, there are other women around me that ride and you hear them like making plans to ride and like get Mm -hmm. together and they're exchanging numbers. And it's like, oh my God, they wouldn't have had that if you weren't doing these events. So it's just such an amazing thing to get to do for the community. And our Q and A's are not just for women who are interested in racing. Also important to know. They're just open to women. It does not matter to us. Yeah. Love that. Oh my gosh. Kelly, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to do this. I feel like we could, yeah, do this all day. (laughs) We totally like parts through like 20 here. (laughs) We totally could do this all day for sure. All right. I keep thinking of things we could talk about. Definitely part two at some point. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Maybe we'll write a book. 
All right. That was such an awesome chat. Like I said to Kelly, I could have talked to her all freaking day. Uh, And I think I'll definitely have to have her back on for a follow up on this because I think there were so many topics that we left untouched or so many we could have gone even deeper into. So if there's something you heard out of this that you really want to dive into, definitely hit me up over at business.of.fitness. And definitely make sure you check out la-sweat.com, whether you're looking for some sweet new merch. I mean, honestly, the sweatshirt's so good. Uh, Definitely need to order one. Or you're actually thinking about that mentorship program that she mentioned. Uh, It's still open now, but definitely get on it because it is closing very shortly after this episode airs. So again, that's la-sweat.com. I'm Molly Herford, which is at Molly J. Herford on Instagram, and we are business.love.fitness on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you in a couple of weeks, actually. That is my final announcement for the show. Uh, We are actually shifting to an every other week format. So rather than seeing you next Thursday, uh, we will be back on Thursday, June 8th. Uh, We are just kind of shifting formats because we have a lot of conversations, but I also have a lot going on with my latest venture, Strong Girl Publishing. The Feisty team has a ton going on, and actually you'll hear about that in our next episode. Uh, So definitely keep Make sure you hit the follow and subscribe button so you can keep up with everything that we're doing. Uh, But definitely don't be freaked out if you don't see us in your feed next week. We are not gone. We are just shifting to every other week. So don't panic just yet. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.